Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens and I'm glad that you have joined us in this episode. We are picking up in this episode where we left off in our previous episode and we're discussing the sexual rights movement and specifically the LGBTQ agenda, specifically here in the Caribbean. And to educate us is Dr. Veronica Evelyn from Barbados. For over 24 years, she has been working with families. And for the past 10 years, she has been working more specifically doing research and training across the region as a consultant sociologist. Dr. Evelyn, thank you for joining me in the Radio Lighthouse studio. And I know in the last episode, we ran out of time for you to share the specifics of a study about the homosexual gene. Can you start off by sharing that study with the listeners? Yes. What, over the last few years, well, more than a few, it's quite a bit now, we've been talking, persons have been talking about a homosexual gene, that you are born that way. Now, there is a Journal of Technology and Society, and this is a secular journal. It's not Christian. It's a secular journal of technology and society called The New Atlantis. And in the fall of 2016, they had a special report on sexuality and gender findings from the biological, psychological, and social sciences. It was done by Lawrence Mayer and Paul McHugh. Now, who are these people? Lawrence Mayer is an epidemiologist trained in psychiatry, and Dr. Paul McHugh is an American psychiatrist and arguably the most important American psychiatrist of the 20th century. And what did their study specifically say? It showed that there are other factors that feed into homosexual behavior or the orientation towards homosexuality. What are some of those causes? If it's not a gene, which you're uh, claiming, if it's not a gene, then what is it that causes the homosexual behavior? Okay, I'll focus on three things. One would be family dynamics. A child, yes, family dynamics. Mm -hmm. A child grows up in a family where the structure lends itself to, I wouldn't say homosexual behavior, but to perhaps a boy, 
adopting mannerisms of a female. You know that we have a lot of female-headed households, uh, uh, boys especially. You know, you're growing up in a house with auntie and grandma and mommy and sisters and so on. You go to school with a female teacher. You go to Sunday school, there's a female. You go to Cubs and there might even be a female Cub Scout leader. Now, let's start from the very beginning. In terms of human behavior, what causes or what motivates behavior in general? Sociologists, psychologists would tell you it's either nurture or nature or both in in different proportions. So the question is, are you born that way or is it your environment? And there are lots of social learning theories. So one, it can be the family dynamics in terms of the structure where you have especially a young boy growing up with lots of women and so they get all the antics and all of that. Or the relations where you have a dominant mother and a a very passive father, that homosexual orientation can be nurtured. Um, Another thing is social learning. You are in an environment where there's a lot going on. You might be exposed to actual homosexual behavior and you ju- it just grows on you. Um, there's a saying that values are not taught, they are caught. But the biggest thing and um, what we need, especially in the church when we are dealing with persons who might be struggling with homosexual feelings, because these feelings are real, eh? And it doesn't have to be that, oh, I... I just want to be up against God and therefore I am going to be a homosexual. Some people have those almost, okay, they have those homosexual tendencies. They recognize because God gives each of us a conscience. They recognize that something is wrong and they need help. Um, Lots of it comes from sexual abuse or Mm. sexual molestation during early childhood. And if, I I would love to do a study, if we were to talk to practicing homosexuals or to persons who are struggling with homosexuality, we will, it is quite likely that we find that somewhere early in their childhood or during their teen years, they were exposed to trauma coming from abuse or molestation. So based on that foundation, then as sexual abuse becomes more and more prevalent in society, then homosexuality or homosexual behavior will become more and more prevalent? Oh, wow. No, I I, I would not connect it. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't do that. I would just say that that sexual abuse and that sexual molestation in early childhood orients the child towards homosexuality. Or they might witness domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the the relationship between mom and dad or the the, the father figure isn't so right. And they decide, hey, I don't want any of this. So that a boy 
decides I'm going to go with a man, a man understands me better, or a woman feels a woman understands me better, we know that men and women are different. We think differently. Some years ago, there was a bestseller, men are from Venus, men are from Mars, Mars. women are from Venus. Mm. Because we are different. We think different. We even are susceptible in some cases to different diseases, mm. <laughs> you know, so that homosexuality is something that we need to look at and to understand. As far as transgenderism is concerned, that is something else because (laughs) what can we say about transgenderism? That is really rebellion, full stop. It's rebellion. How can you dare say to a sovereign God, you made me the wrong person? Right now in the States, they are saying when a child is born, it's not, don't, don't call it a baby, it's a baby. And leave it for the leave the child for the first four years, and then you can that child will decide what they want to be. Yes, four years old. Yes, Um, so that they again we were talking about language. You nowadays the politically correct thing to say is what sex were you assigned at birth which is nonsense. A doctor does not assign a sex to you. They look at you and they know this is a boy and this is a girl. Yet, we in the West Indies are doing the same thing. We are, there is a a curriculum, it's called Gender Socialization in Early Childhood Education. When we say early childhood education, we're talking about education from three years old. Now, tell me about gender socialization. What do you want to teach the children? Of course, there's a good part where you say, oh, men and women, if they're doing the same job, they should get the same pay, etc. But then there's that devious part and that is how the devil works the early childhood education well it there's so much what we are doing now and it's not just early childhood education it's comprehensive sexuality education also which is fed into our health and family life education the big thing that is being taught is this Families are diverse. A child can have a mother and a father, two mothers or two fathers. There is a Macmillan series of 13 books going from kindergarten right up to grade six. It is health and family life education for primary schools in the Caribbean. Hmm. They actually donated some of those books to to the Dominica Ministry of Education. And I said, oh, my This is free brainwashing. I went through each of those books, and I I have stickers, red stickers and yellow stickers. Many of them are awful. The first book is okay, kindergarten, okay. By book two, we begin to have trouble, and there's a student's workbook, and there's a teacher's book. One of the questions in, in, I think it's book two, Question 1A, you're asking this of a six-year-old. What sex are you? And they have boy, girl, you're to underline. Then it says, what gender are you? 
male, female, and you to underline. You get the yeah. what's, wow. and then there there are sections that talk about the fact that society expects this and that of us, but we can do what we feel like, and it's it's how you want to dress and how you want to speak and. So the whole thing of gender, and again, we come back to language. We started with sex and gender. And many years ago, we were told that sex is biological and gender is a social construct. That's where we started. Then we went on to gender identity. There is a toolkit for advancing LGBT rights. It pu- it's put out by non less than the Royal Commonwealth Society. And in that book, yes, and in that book, it says, and I think it's page 30 or 31, it says, gender identity is a person's conception of themselves as male or female or both or neither. Hold on. Now, remember I spoke of the Yogyakarta Principles 2006. By 2017 now, It's no longer just sex and gender and gender identity. It is sex, gender, gender identity, and gender expression, and none of them have to be the same. There is, again, we're talking about how things have evolved, the gender-bred person that says your mind, you can think one way and your body can be another way and you can feel another way in terms of sex and gender. The latest thing, that gender-bred person has now become the unicorn, the the gender-bred unicorn. You can look it up, and I urge you listeners, just take everything I say with a pinch of salt. For my sake and for your sake, don't believe a word I say. Go online, read books, listen to the news, check newspapers across the world, and find out for yourself. Now, we know this is happening in the UK and the US, but is it really happening here in the Caribbean? (laughs) And can you give me kind of a history of how it's developed here in the Caribbean? Oh, wow. That's kind of hard, so I'm not going to try because I tend to be careful not to get into waters that are too deep for me. I can tell you where we are. Okay, let's start there. But I I mightn't be able to give you a really solid chronological um, view of, of how things developed. In the Caribbean, Jamaica is a hot spot. And there is the Jamaica Forum for Lesbians and Gays. It's called JFLAG. And only recently, one, is he the president, um, came to Barbados and had a seminar talking about how JFLAG succeeded in advancing LGBT rights in Jamaica. So there's JFLAG and there's a lot going on there. They have a media guide as to what the media should say in referring to homosexuals and transgenders and dealing with these kind of issues. In the Eastern Caribbean, there is ECADE, ECADE, 
East Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality. That's another lovely word that they have taken and twisted. And it's all about promoting rights so that some years ago, and it's, it wasn't the first one, they actually had a seminar for lesbian women to discuss lesbian issues. And these people, I'll tell you, are funded big time, mm. big time. Um, like I said, the Royal Commonwealth Society, there's the Canadian HIV AIDS Legal Network, which does a lot of work in the Caribbean, pro-LGBT work. For example, right now there's a buggery case in a, in Barbados where a transgender is challenging the right. It, it's saying that the Constitution violates his right to privacy. Hmm. Okay? And I smiled because when, when it came out in the newspapers, who did we see? Four persons. It was a person from the Canadian HIV AIDS Legal Network, the transgender person who is a male that says he is female. There were two other Canadians, one from the Canadian Embassy and another. So that the U.S. and Canada are doing a lot of work in the Caribbean, um, pumping, and there are lots of people pumping money into it as well. Along yes. those lines, I was going to ask you, I know a couple of years ago here at the Radio Lighthouse, we received notification and we were asked to promote it. Obviously, we did not. But the U.S. had sent down uh, two religious mm -hmm. liberal professors to misteach that homosexuality was actually condoned by scripture and was accepted and they held a conference i think it was at the multi-purpose center is that happening on other islands also or is but that just course. antigua no 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 that's not antigua um they these persons again i said the canadian hiv aids legal network at some point the focal point in the ministry of international business they had a whole week sensitizing our law enforcement officers, defense force, social workers, etc. They had um, a panel discussion again. Not a single Bajan was on that. We, we have to understand that this sexual rights issue is a sociopolitical issue in a secular sense. However, it is really a spiritual issue. Like I said, it is just a big show, part of the final showdown between God and the devil. But in terms of it as a sociopolitical issue, it is heavily funded and backed by some very influential people. I, I'll say this. In the Caribbean, um, that same regional curriculum on uh, gender socialization in early childhood development. The Caribbean Development Bank gave thousands of dollars from its Basic Needs Trust Fund and in collaboration with UWI, developed that curriculum. Now, 
I take strong objection to that because I do not know that gender socialization is a basic need of any child. I would expect that we're talking about reading and writing, <laughs> you know, yeah. reading, writing, and arithmetic. And to take money from a basic needs trust fund, I think, well, let me not say this because, but I, I, I object very strenuously to it. Our central bank actually sponsored an eight-part series on one of our local radio stations, an eight-part radio series about a transgender coming out. And it was so devious because at the end of each series, there was a 15-minute educational segment where persons were given prizes for answering questions based on it. So you had to listen carefully, answer the questions, and you think. There are so many agencies, University of the West Indies, especially its law faculty, is the is a big promoter of LGBT quote unquote rights. Really? But oh yes. There is the University Rights Advocacy Program that was a big part of the buggery case in Belize. Oh, there's so much going on. Tell me tell me a little about that case, kinda of give me an overview. I'm not familiar with it. Okay. We know that in many of our Caribbean societies, buggery is a criminal offense and it is punishable in some places by a few years in jail and in other places even by lifetime. Barbados is one of the countries that has a, a, a rather stiff penalty, I must admit. It is a stiff penalty. Now, the LGBT approach or strategy, one is to amend, enact, and repeal laws. That's in an, at an official level. The other is to introduce policies. The other is to work with people's minds on an individual basis. Mass, and then there is the mass communication. So it's like every time I think of it, I think of a, of termites eating into a house or eating into a building where everything looks good on the outside and the termites are in there eating and eating and eating and then suddenly one day you touch it and everything crumbles. That's where we are mm. and that's why Christians must really work very hard to give that truth and to be that salt and to be that light. Is there hope, and I asked this question in the last yeah. episode, but is there hope in the, what should we be doing in the Caribbean in order to counteract some of this uh, this movement? Okay, I'm, I'm going to answer you by going back to a question you asked about the buggery cases. So at that level, like I said, the idea is to amend, repeal, and enact laws to promote the LGBT agenda. One of those laws which lends itself for controversy is the buggery law and the fines associated with it. So that there has there was a challenge in Belize and 
it was the judge said, yes, this constitutes your human rights, your constitutional rights. Forget about the law of buggery, so buggery is no longer an offense. In Trinidad last year, or was it earlier this year? No, yeah, it was last year. Um, Again, there was a case, and again, it was the buggery law was struck down. Right now, there's a case in Jamaica and there's a case in Barbados. And I would bet my last dollar that the next case will be Antigua. So, and the the thing about it is that even Christians are saying, but what's wrong with buggery? If what people do in the privacy of their bedrooms is their own business and there should be separation of church and state. It's not the government's business what you do. However, we fail to understand that buggery, not only is it an indecent act, it is an unhealthy act. Like I said, I work a lot with HIV and AIDS and training and so on. And anal penetration, I don't ever say anal sex, there is no such thing. Anal penetration is the most risky sexual practice there is. Why? Because the anus is not part of the reproductive system. It is actually the final part of the digestive tract. The anus is not made as an entry point. Mm -hmm. The sphincter muscles are are not able to withstand all of the thrusting and whatnot. Not only that, but there's a concentration of Staphylococcus bacteria. I mean, there's so much to it. So that buggery is actually a health issue. A health issue just for the individuals practicing uh, that, or is it also a health issue for society as a whole? I would consider it for society as a whole because... We are, <laughs> okay, we are individuals, but we are individuals that that form a society. If I eat too much salt and I have blood pressure and the government has to pay to get, give me my medication, that's a part of their health budget. And we are spending a lot of money. Now, in terms of black people especially, no, no studies have been done in the Caribbean, but in America, men who have sex with men among whites, you have one in 11 who is likely to contract AIDS. Among Latinos, it's one in seven. And these facts come from the Centers for Disease Control. Again, secular. But among black Afro-Americans, it's one in two. Yes, why, why? They, they they don't they don't quite know. It could be a combination of factors, mm-hmm. but here we are. Why would we promote something that can be a health risk, even if it is to the individual? It's too much because, especially in Barbados and the Eastern Caribbean, we do not have uh, our human capital is our only real resource, and one person lost is one person too many from the productive sector. 
Dr. Evelyn, thank you very much for joining me in this episode of Lighthouse Conversations. Be sure that you tune in next episode as we continue to discuss the sexual rights agenda, but specifically what is God's agenda. Dr. Evelyn, thank you for joining me. And thank you too. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or Lighthouse, B-I-M-I, at gmail.com or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454 or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code 268-782-1454. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.